Praise God. Please be seated. Be seated. Well, the anointing in this place is so strong today. So blessed to be here. My wife and I love coming here. It's our favorite place. And uh, also mainly because of Dr. Henry and Pastor Jackie and Pastor Cindy. Uh, they are amazing people. We love them with all our hearts. And to have that introduction from Dr. Henry, that's, I've, I know his life, and I feel I pale in comparison. So very, very honored to be here. Thank you for having us. And, and thank you, Ben, for coming. Praise God. You know, the most important message we could hear as Christians is how to hear the voice of God, especially in these days when there's so much lies being promoted. So we've really, it's crucial to hear what God has to say. And I'm going to share with you five or six stories of what God, how God showed me how to listen to his voice and how it resulted in a blessing to me. But first, I just want to give you five uh, reasons or five things we can all do or practice that will help us hear the voice of the Lord. And uh, number one, it's rising early to pray and read. You know, there's something about the still of the morning when it's quiet and your mind is quieted down from the day before. It's a lot easier to hear God's voice early in the morning. That's why Jesus arose a great while before day and prayed. David prayed early in the morning and so forth. So that's a key, and I'm going to share a story about that. Uh, secondly, it's um, being still before God. You know, we all like to be doers. We always want to get things done. But to be still and stop and just sit there and listen, that takes patience. And that goes to the third thing is uh, patience, waiting on the Lord. You know, sometimes you might just sit there quiet for an hour before you hear anything from God. But what if you were to quit in 45 minutes? So again, it takes that patience. So uh, we all don't like patience, but you know, uh, we want to please God and it takes faith, right? Well, faith works by patience. So we've got to employ that. Patience is one of the three ingredients of faith. Faith works by love, patience, and works. But um, also praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. You know, that's so often that when God will speak to us, we might not know what we're praying, but God will download the answer to us when we're praying in the Spirit. And also just reading the Word. So many times I've just started reading, and the answer comes to me and has nothing to do with what I was reading. God just downloads the information through just the wisdom that we're getting from His Word. So if we can uh, employ those five things in our life, we'll be more equipped to hear from God. And that's what we have to do today. Uh, the first story I want to share with you is, you know, one of the first things I learned as a Christian was to get up early and read and pray because it shows God's first in your life. If you get up first and put him first and read and pray, then he'll honor that. But I was up one morning praying and I heard the voice of the Lord. It wasn't an audible voice. But when you get used to hearing him, you know it's an unction. Uh, it's a peace. It's a, a desire. And I felt, I heard these words, and he said, um, study all the facts and figures to do with the neighborhood you're selling homes in. I had just started selling homes in this particular neighborhood, and I wanted to list a home. I had not listed one yet, and there were two other agents working the neighborhood who were dominating it. And so I was praying that I would get my first listing. And so uh, God said, study all the facts and figures. So I knew what he meant. How many acres is the complex? How many models are there? What's the square footage of each? And so forth. And so I started studying all those figures that morning. Yeah. 
Well, later that afternoon, I get my first call from someone that says, I want to interview you to list my home, and I'm going to interview two more people after you. I knew which two he was talking about, uh, my competition. And he said, so I'm going to pick the best out of the three. You're up first. I said, okay. So I went over, I sat down. The first thing he did was say, how many models are there of mine? I said, 41. He said, how many sold this year? I said, four. And he said, how many sold last year? I said, seven. He said, what's the square footage? I said, 1992. He said, how many models are there altogether? I said, there's six. There's uh, 35 of the plan 303. There's 30 of the plan 300s. There's 29 of the plan 302s. I went down the list. And he said, well, how many acres is the complex? I said, 33. He said, how many acres is our lake? I said, one and a half. He said, how do you know all this? <laughs> well, I just, I said, well, that's part of my job. <laughs> I just learned it that morning, you know. He says, you got the listing. So he didn't interview the other two people. So I, I signed the listing. I walk out the door. I lived in the same neighborhood. And I walk out, and a, na a neighbor's walking by, a couple. And they said, Bill, uh, our friends are over having dinner with us, and they really like our model, our Plan 303. Do you have anything for sale? I said, yeah, I just listed Plan 303 just 30 seconds ago. <laughs> and they said, can we see it? So I turned around, knocked on the door. I said, can I show your home? He says... <laughs> He said, man, you work fast. <laughs> so, anyway, the people walked in. They loved it. They said, we'll take it. So I, I made $15,000 that fast. And, but the point is, what if I wouldn't have gotten up early and read and prayed? What if I didn't hear God tell me that? And he asked me those questions, and I couldn't answer them. Do you think I would have got the listing? No. So there's two verses real quickly to go with that. Job 7, 17 and 18 says, What is man that you should exalt him, that you should, uh, you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and try him every moment? The second, last part of that I don't like. He tries us every moment. So we're on trial every single moment of our life. But did you hear that part? That he should visit man every morning. So God comes by in the morning to visit us. But if we sleep in, we miss his visit, right? And then one more verse, Ezekiel 12, 8 says, And in the morning came the word of the Lord unto me. So God can come by in the morning, visit you, and give you a word. And just one word from God can make all the difference. So I learned I'm getting up early and I'm praying. I want to hear from God. So that's number one. Um, Another story I want to share with you. I had uh, sold home to an elderly woman. She's probably in her late 70s. And about a week later, I met her daughter. And her daughter said, Bill, you sold my mom home? I said, yeah. And she's married, but I know her husband's a paraplegic. He's in a wheelchair. And she said she needs a home in, in this neighborhood. And she goes, Bill, you don't know that she's medically diagnosed as a schizophrenic. She's really far gone. She's sweet, but then she becomes this other person that's violent, mean, and hateful, and she just flops over at the drop of a hat. So good luck closing that escrow. So I thought, oh, great. So now we're in, in the escrow. And so I'm at my house one day, and I'm auditing a bunch of files. So I have stacks of files on my desk I'm going through. And I see her walking up to the door, and she pounds on the door. I open the door, and I said, Lupe, what's wrong? And she goes, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And she starts pounding on me. She's holding her little dog, and she drops her dog, a little dog, and our little 
dog came around the corner. The dogs are fighting. She sees my papers and she swings her arm and knocks all the folders all over the floor. So papers everywhere that take hours to put together. And then she takes her shoes off and she's hit me on the head and she's picking up things in the house, throwing them at me. She's just gone crazy. And she's only a little thing. She's a little lady. You know, and I'm trying to block myself from all these things. And then she swings at me with her arm, and she had a bracelet on. And it, I turned, and it sliced my arm. Now, I had a white shirt on, long sleeve shirt, so blood was now coming all down my white shirt. So there's blood, there's papers, the dogs are fighting, and she's screaming hysterically like I'm killing her. And so I think, I've got a client coming in about two minutes that I've never met. And so I'm trying to get her out of the house. She would not calm down. So I take her shoes, I throw them out the door, and I'm trying to push her out the door. Now, here she is holding her arms to the door so I can't get her out, and I'm pushing her, and my client walks up. And they see blood, papers, dog, and me throwing out an elderly woman. They took one look and turned around and walked away. No, it didn't go too well. So I thought, Lord, now one more thing. The house that I, I sold her, the, her seller, he bought another home from me, okay? So, and that home was vacant. So this sale is contingent on her closing, okay? Because he needed that sale to be able to buy it. So now I've got two sales depending on this lady. How am I going to get this closed? So a few days go by, and at 2 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call, and it's Lupe. And she says, Hi, Bill. I'm so sorry the way I was the other day, but can you come get me? I said, Lupe, where are you? She goes, I'm in jail. <laughs> I said, what in jail? So I called her daughter. Her daughter went and picked her up. Turned out that her husband, who was a paraplegic, she went to the hospital, unplugged all his tubes and everything, and was wheeling him out in the wheelchair out of the hospital. And the nurses tried to stop her, but she was pounding on the nurses. They called the police. The police came. She was beaten up on the policeman. And so they put her in jail. So now my client's in jail, you know. I thought, Lord, this is going to take you for this one, for sure. So anyway, her daughter gets her out of jail. Now uh, we get through the escrow. She calms down, and uh, we get to where we have to go sign loan docs at the bank. The loan docs are about an th- inch thick of paper. So we get to the bank at 9 o'clock in the morning, go up the elevator, fourth floor, and there's a big office where all these women are sitting uh, on their computers, about 30 people. Then we go into a side office. It was actually the president's office. Sit down, and she starts signing. About two or three papers into it, she just says, She tears all the papers up and says, no, you all are lying to me. You're lying to me. I go, what are we lying to you about? She goes, my husband's not signing. I go, but he's a paraplegic. He can't sign. She goes, well, he needs to be on title. I said, he is on title. Here's the paper showing your both names. No, he needs to sign. I go, but he can't sign. Do you understand? And she said, no, you're all lying to me. He's not on title. He has to be on title. She doesn't believe me. And so she rips the papers up and she goes to get up. I just heard the voice of the Lord say to me, grab her hand. So I grabbed her hand. I said, Lupe, it's okay. She goes, you're so sweet. Okay, I'll sign. <laughs> but what if I wouldn't hurt God? Anyway, so sign a few more papers, about three more papers. She g- ra- goes in the rage again, jumps up, tears up the papers. No, you're lying to me. And this time I felt like the Lord said, sit her down like a child. I said, Lupe, you sit down and sign these papers. Okay, you're buying this house. You've already committed to it. 
you mind your manners and sit down and do what's right? And she said, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, this went on from 9 o'clock until quarter to 5. And the people in the, uh, the 30 women, uh, everybody's about to pull their hair out because this has been going on back and forth all day. So quarter to five, we're two papers left, and she uh, goes to sign them, and she stops. And she goes, nope, I'm done. I'm done. You're all lying to me. I know you are. I am leaving. I'm not buying this house. And she walks out into the big office where the elevator is, and she pushes the button. The elevator's coming up. And now I, this has got to close because this guy, I didn't tell you, but the, the, her seller that bought this home, he, it was vacant. And one day he said, Bill, I need to go measure for carpeting and everything else. Can you just leave the door unlocked and I'll go measure. And then I'll, and I said, yeah, I'll be back in a couple hours. I'll lock it up. You measure everything. So I come back about three hours later and he's already moved in. I said, you can't move in. You don't own the house. He goes, well, I'm, I'm going to buy the house. I go, but you're dependent on this lady to sell it. That's okay. It'll close. And, and I said, you can't move into someone's house without their permission, you know. And he says, well, I'm sorry. I'm already here, and I'm not getting out. So now this has really got to close, okay. And so she's now pushes the button, and the elevator's coming up. What do I do? I can't. I've said everything I can. She goes, no, I'm not hearing you anymore. I'm leaving. So I was done. I thought, Lord, quick, quick. I need a word from God. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, tell her to pull out her checkbook. I didn't know what that meant. Why? You know, I said, Lupe, pull out your checkbook. <laughs> and she goes, why? I said, just pull out your checkbook. Now the elevator doors opened and closed. So she's still standing there. And I didn't know what I was going to say after that. Everybody's looking at me like, What's he going to say, you know? <laughs> I didn't have it from God yet. And then I got it. God gave me the next thing. He says, analogy, analogy. I, I, I got it with just that, that word, God saying that. I said, Lupe, whose name's on the checkbook? And she goes, mine. I says, is your husband's name on the checkbook? She goes, no. I said, is, his, is it his money also? Can he have access to that money? She goes, yeah, it's a joint account. I go, but his name's not on the checkbook. She goes, right. I go, the same here. He's not signing, but he's on the title. Oh, okay. All right, I'll sign. Wow. And she comes back and, and signs the paper, and it, and it ended up closing. Wow. Now, I couldn't have come up with that, pull out your checkbook. And I would have her checkbook would have had both names on it. <laughs> that would not have worked. Uh, but I didn't know that. God knew that. So you see how important it is to hear from God. You know, and uh, just to give you a scripture for that, it says, um, Luke 12, 12 says, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. And then Proverbs 16, 1 says, the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So God gave me that. But again, see how important it is to hear the voice of the Lord. Another situation I had... Um, I just listed a home in this particular neighborhood and that I sold homes in, and I get a call from some, a couple in Texas that I had never met, and they said, Bill, we uh, want to buy a home in this particular neighborhood called South Coast Shores. I said, well, that's the neighborhood I sell homes in. And they said, well, we were recommended to you, and we want to buy a home. We used to live there five years ago. And I said, well, I just listed one yesterday. And so I tell them the address. They said, that's strange. Five years ago, that's the house we used to live in. We were renting, we were t and we moved to Texas. So we know the house. We'll buy it. So they said, we don't even have to see it. We'll buy it. 
So I said, okay. So I sent him photos, everything, the papers. They signed the papers. So a few days later, I talked to his wife, and, and his wife said, Bill, there's something you don't know about my husband. He was let off his job because he's not schizophrenic, but she gave me another name for it, but he's like a schizophrenic. He's, he's really sick. Okay, he sounds fine, but his mind is not right. So we're paying cash for the house because he could never qualify. And, uh, but just understand when you talk to him sometimes, it's not going to be him. It's like somebody else. And it, it, it's just, he's very odd. Okay, I'll just put it that way. And we're, um, you know, that's just the way he is. So anyway, so I get the inspection done on the house and everything. And so I'm going over it and I send it to him. And I told him, I said, look, we, one of the biggest things is we got to get the air conditioning fixed. It's, uh, it's just probably out of Freon or something. And all of a sudden, he changed into this other person over the phone. And he says, air conditioning person, no, don't get anybody like that. I'll come to the rescue. Uh, John to the rescue. I can fix that air conditioning. I said, okay, well, you don't have to fly all the way out here. I can just get a guy out. No, they don't know what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. Only me. I can fix it. I can fix it. I said, okay. And he says, are you with me, Bill? I said, yeah, okay, I'm with you. And he goes, no, say it with meaning. Say, I go, I'm with you. And he goes, no, say it with passion in your voice. I said, I'm with you. I'm with you, John. And he goes, that's the spirit. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. This is exactly how it went. So he jumps on a plane, comes out, shows up at my door, and he opens his coat, and he's got screwdrivers and tools and everything. And he goes, let's go up on the roof and check out that air conditioning. And I said, okay. So we're up on the roof, and he didn't know anything about air conditioning. He takes a screwdriver to tighten the, the uh, something. It did nothing, but he thinks he fixed it, you know. That's fine. And uh, so he says, that me what else can we fix, Bill? Let's to the rescue. Let's fix it, you know. I said, okay, there's a drippy faucet over here, you know, and little things. So, and all the way through now, he's all excited and saying, are you with me? This constantly. And so he gets on a plane, flies back, and then for two more weeks, he would call me every day and ask me if I was with him. And I had to go through this. My, I was losing my throat. It was, uh, <clears throat> my, my wife would come home and hear me saying, I'm with you, John, I'm with you. <laughs> That's what it took, you know. So two days before closing, two days before closing, I call him and he says, I'm too upset. There's one more thing to do. I can't fix a drippy faucet. It's just too much. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm canceling the escrow. Well, that seller already bought a home, and it's two days before closing. And he's paying all cash. There's no contingency. And I said, you know, I, everything I could say to him, he would not listen. He says, I'm canceling. So he calls the escrow and cancels the escrow. I call him back three or four times. I could not talk him into it. So now the seller does not know it's canceled. Two days go by, it's still canceled. I'm hoping he'll change. And I talked to his wife, and she says, I can't get through to him at all. And I thought, Lord, what do I do? Our seller has already bought a home. He's excited. He doesn't expect. Anyway, so um, I was praying, and I felt like the Lord, I heard the Lord's voice say, uh, join him. Now, that doesn't make sense to you, but to me, I got it. It's like, join his emotional craziness, okay? <laughs> Uh, and so I know this sounds crazy, but this is what I heard. And so I called him up and I said, John, I can't believe you abandoned me here. I've got to take care of this drippy faucet myself. Where are you? Are you with me, John? Are you with me? <laughs> he says, you're right, Bill. I'm sorry I abandoned you. John, to the rescue, to the rescue. He jumped on a plane, came out to fix the drippy faucet, and he closed the escrow. 
Is that crazy? I mean, so now all the, during this time, I was witnessing to him, trying to tell him about the Lord, you know? And so then now the escrow closes, he comes, knocks on our door one day, and he stands there at the door, knocks real strong, and he goes, I just want you to know that I became a Christian. I'm a born-again Christian now. Bill, I'm going to be with you in heaven forever, you and me. <laughs> you and me, friends forever, Bill. And I said, oh, joy. <laughs> You know, um, but you know, I just want to give you a verse, you know. You might, you might say, Bill, isn't that manipulation that you, you know, kind of manipulated him to do that? Well, in a sense, yes, but, but number one, he was obligated. He would have lost his deposit. I mean, two days before closing, they could sue him. He would lose his deposit. He was liable. But number two, I knew it was good for him. I knew they would like the house. They lived there, and his wife wanted the house. She wanted to be there. So I just felt like, you know, and 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, To the weak became I weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now, he actually got saved. And then over the next five years, he lived in the same neighborhood that we lived in. And, but he actually was getting better and better, and he stopped doing that. No longer did he become strange. And we're friends to this day. So... So, praise God. So, the point was, the word works. I mean, you know, I heard the voice of the Lord, but also, he got saved, like the word says, and God healed him. Amen? Amen. So, praise the Lord. Um, I had another situation where uh, I had paid my quarterly estimates, how you do in real estate, you pay your quarterlies, and, but I ended up owing 45000 more in taxes. And at this time, I didn't have any money saved. I had no escrows and no listings. And the IRS sent me a notice saying, you have two weeks to pay the 45000 I didn't have any savings. I didn't have any escrows. Where was I going to get it? And I thought, okay. And I just was started praying, and I heard the Lord say, do Isaiah 58, the, the fast. And I'll just read you that verse real quickly. Uh, it says, Isaiah 58, 6 through 9 says, no, this is the kind of fasting I want. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. That's what the word says. So I thought, Lord, I need you to quickly reply. So I, that, I decided to do a three-day fast. So the first morning I went down, I bought all the clothes, food, took it down to the mission. And then I took some money over to the church to put up the homeless. And I'm home now praying. And the phone rings, and it was a past client of mine. And I said, hey, Webb, how you doing? And he says, oh, good, I'm just checking in on you. And I said, good to hear from you. What have you been up to? And he says, well, I've been looking for a home on the ocean. I said, why didn't you call me? And he said, because you don't work the ocean. You have to be a specialist to get a good home on the ocean. You've got to be on the end, which is true in Laguna Beach and all. You've got to be kind of on the inside scoop to get a really good property. He says, besides, I've been looking for six months. I've looked with all the best brokers. I've seen every house for sale, and there's nothing I've seen that I want to buy yet. I said, well, would you go look at one if I find one? He goes, well, yeah, I've seen everything, though. I said, okay, but if I find one, would you go? And he said, sure. So I'd go out and look. I call him back the next day, and I said, went through 10 houses. He'd seen them all except for one. He said, I haven't seen that one. And I said, well, let's go look at it. So we walk in the door, and he said, this is it. I'll take it. I want this house. And he says, but the only thing is, uh, Bill, I've got to close this in two weeks. Can you do that? I said, I think I can pull that off. <laughs> so uh, now nobody showed it to him because it was the Betty Davis estate, a famous 
landmark in Laguna Beach. It's a historic landmark, so nobody bothered showing him an historic landmark. And I think we have a picture of it. I'm not sure if you have that. We could show it. That's it. So it was only two and a half million then. That was 1992. Now it's worth about 20 million. But, uh, and then there's another picture showing the plaque. Uh, if you have a, see, Betty Davis Estate. So nobody showed him an historic landmark, and that was the house he wanted. So my commission was 54000 Well, that left enough to tithe and go pay the 45000 and it closed in 13 days. So, so now the point is, you know, the point is with that, you know, what are the chances of him calling me the first day of the fast? What are the chances of him telling me he's looking for a home? What are the chances of me finding him a home he hadn't seen? What are the chances of him paying all cash and wanting to close it in two weeks? No chance. God did that. But what if I wouldn't have heard God's voice to do the Isaiah 58 fast? Now, you, you, it's not to control God or manipulate God. This is just blessings God has, promises in his word for us to obey. So again, that turned out to be a wonderful blessing. I got to tithe and pay the, the thing off in one day uh, short. So anyway, um, just want to share with you another story. Um, I was, um, the church I was going to kind of fell apart, so I had started a new church. I started going to a new church. It was a Sunday, so I went Sunday. I didn't know anybody there. I sat in the very back. I had uh, injured my knee doing squats. I was working out with a guy, a big guy, and I was trying to keep up more with him. And I, I went down, and I blew my knee out, my left knee, and it, it, it filled up with water like a balloon. And so for a week, I was limping. It was an agony. Um, I finally went to a doctor, and they said, you need surgery. Well, I've never had anything wrong. I've never gone to a doctor, you know, uh, only sports injuries, you know, here and there. But anyway, so they did the surgery. The swelling went down, but it still was in agony. My pain, it hurt really bad. So I was on crutches for six months, and it did not get better. I went back. They said, there's nothing we can do. Some people it takes, some it doesn't. So I thought, I cannot live with this. I mean, I was only 29 years old. And uh, I was at my sister and brother-in-law's house one night. It was a Wednesday now. I've gone to church that Sunday. Now it's Wednesday. And um, my knee was really hurting. It was about a 45-minute drive from this new church I started. And she says, Bill, let me make you a nice dinner. It's cold out and everything. And, and uh, just relax tonight. Well, I felt in my heart, I felt like the Lord said, no, go to church, go to church. I just felt a real strong prompting to go to church. Now, I like to go to church. But, you know, at times when you're tired and you're hurting and it's a nice meal, I, I wanted to relax. My flesh wanted to relax. But I felt that prompting, go. So I said, no, I'm going to go. So I went to church. I sat in the very back. Nobody knew me. Uh, you couldn't tell anything was wrong. I just sat down. You know, I had crutches, but uh, they were laying on the floor. So I was going to tithe that night, and so I was getting ready to make out my tithe check, which was $2,000. But instead, I heard the voice of the Lord say, make it 10000 Now, I wanted to say, get behind me, Satan, you know. <laughs> but Satan will never tell you to give money at a good... God-giving church, you know, Bible church. Anyway, so I $10,000, I was praying over it and put it in the offering. And um, when the pastor started preaching, about halfway through, he stopped in the middle of preaching. And he said, I've got to pray for somebody here. And he points, you in the back. I didn't know for sure of me because I'm far back. And so he gets off the stage, walks back, and he goes, I've got to pray for your left knee. I said, okay. 
It's great. <laughs> you know, I've been praying for six months, you know. And uh, so he prays for my knee. I didn't feel anything, nothing, no change. But I went home. The next morning I woke up completely, totally, 100% healed. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Deuteronomy 14, 22 and 23 says, Tithe that you may learn to fear the Lord. I mean, you could read the whole verse, but uh, basically it's saying if you don't tithe, you really don't fear God. That's one of the areas that we show that we fear God is in our tithing. And Malachi 4.2 says that those that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. So see the tithe tied to the healing and to, um, you know, the, the fearing God. So fear, tithing, and, and giving. So, uh, you know, that's really neat how God, now you can, you can't earn your healing from God. But if we be obedient, so now what if I wouldn't have gone to church, heard the voice of the Lord? What if I wouldn't have tithed and maybe given the offering God told me to give more than the tithe? Would I have been healed that night or that next morning? Probably not. But see how good God is with his word if we'll be led by the Holy Spirit and hear his voice. It's so important to hear God's voice. This is what's crucial, especially for today. I'm just going to share one more story. There was an elderly woman that wanted me to list her home in the neighborhood I sold homes in. And uh, she, I, I came in the house. She says, listen, I know your reputation. I know you're one of these radical Christians. She says, I do not like Christians. I am not a Christian. I don't want to hear it. I want you to sell my home because I understand you're the best. But I don't want to hear no preaching. I don't want you to ever mention God to me. You got that? She was real strong. Well, something, now normally you would, you would respect that, right? You'd say, well, okay, you don't want to hear it. You'd be respectful towards someone's wishes. But something rose up in me. I had an unction from the Holy Ghost strongly to push back on her. I said, you know what? I don't really care if you give me your listing or not, but you're going to hear the gospel because you obviously don't know how much God loves you. I can tell by your demeanor. You're just angry. You need to hear what God has to say. She said, no, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me it. Get out of my house. I said, no, you're going to listen. I'm not leaving until you hear this. And, and I said, if you take the listing from me, fine. Whatever you want to do, but you're going to hear this for 15 minutes. And so I told her the whole thing. She was angry, didn't want to hear it. And so I just almost forced her to listen. But uh, I just felt that urgency to do that. Okay, so I told her the gospel, and at the end I said, look, God loves you. You don't have to be angry. He loves you, and he wants to take you to heaven with him. Why would you be angry and not want to hear about the one that died for you? Anyway, at the end she just said, all I got out of her was, you Christians think you're better than the rest of us. That was her attitude. And something came to my memory, which I read, I think it was from um, Ray Comfort, and I just said this to her. I said, you know, there were two men on a plane. One man had a parachute. The other one didn't. They were just told that the plane's going to go down in five minutes. Now, the man with a parachute is no better than the man without. He's just better off. I said, you're getting ready to jump into eternity without the parachute of Jesus. And that man's on the plane, his fall would be bad. But yours will be far worse because hell's eternal. You'll never escape it. And you're pushing God away from you. Even at this age, you can't live that much longer. She was like 90 years old now. And I said, so God's being merciful to you. 
And she goes, get out of my house and sell it. So she was still angry no matter what I said. So I left. Two hours later, she was dead. Now you see why God was telling me to be strong with her. Because now she has absolutely no excuse. God was trying to get through to her even to the last minute. And she wouldn't listen. And I don't know if she ended up repenting and receiving God. We don't know. But it didn't sound like it when I left. You know, but this just shows you God's goodness. You know, and just to give you two verses, Ecclesiastes 8, 5 says, a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. So see, do I be forceful with her? Do I be forceful to cause her to listen? That was the time to do that. Not all times are like that. And then also, 1 Thessalonians 2.2 2 says, We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much, uh, con much contention. So, you know, one more thing. I'm just going to read this. This is from Charles Spurgeon. He said, he was one of the greatest soul winners of all times. And he said, stay in such a sensitive state that you receive the impression that the Holy Spirit desires to convey and are influenced by him at once. So see, that's the attitude. We have to stay in that, that attitude like, Lord, what do I say now? And be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But if we spend time in the morning with him and pray in the Spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost and be patient and wait on him, then God will give you these words right at the moment you need them. And you know, there's a scripture too. This is a really neat verse. Uh, Proverbs 15, 23 says, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season how good it is. So to have the right word to tell someone right at that moment that you can only get from God, you know, that's a, such a blessing and a privilege. So I just, you know, I just want to encourage all of us to take the effort, you know, that, that we really need today to hear God's voice. And, you know, there's, it's interesting because God uses disciplines of our flesh in order for us to better hear from the Holy Spirit. In other words, disciplines are rising up early. Our flesh doesn't want to rise up early and pray. Uh, being still before God. We want to be doing something. We got to be still, right? Uh, waiting on God. Patience. None of us want, you know, give me patience now, right? Uh, praying. Uh, most Christians don't bother to pray. Or they pray for five minutes. We were with a Bible study once and, and a Christian leader said, man, after five or ten minutes, I don't even know what else to pray. I'm done. I thought, boy, how sad. I mean, you you know, so we need to learn to pray and wait on the Lord. And then fasting. God uses fasting many times for us to fast. And then we hear his voice. And that puts down the flesh again. But so it's interesting God chose the things of the flesh that, the, the, for us to exercise against, put those things down, and he would reward us. You know, it's a discipline of the flesh. And I thought that's interesting of God. So, I, you know, like we said, the times we're in, we have got to hear from God today. It is like no other time. We cannot get away with what we used to get away with. Just kind of a little mediocre kind of walk with God. If you don't press in with God today and spend the time in prayer and get on your knees and fast and really take the effort, you're going to get beat up in this life because we're coming into some really difficult times. I mean, we, we're seeing it already, but it's creeping up on us fast. And so as a Christian, we're going to have to stand our ground, be firm and strong, and really depend on hearing God's voice.
because it could mean the difference of life and death, a decision. We all need to make decisions, right, in life. So we've got to hear from God to make those decisions. But, you know, the most important decision we could ever make is do we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior? If you miss this one, this trumps all other decisions because this has eternal consequences. You know, one second after you die, it's too late. You do not get a second chance. You know, if anybody here, if you could see hell for five seconds, you run to the altar and, and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You thank Him for what He saved you from. If you could see how horrendous hell really is. You know, I've, I've read all the scriptures, but when you see it yourself, how the flames burning people and tormenting people for all eternity and they're lost forever. And you have the chance to make a decision now to avoid that horrible place. And you know, a non-decision is a decision. If you just think, you know, I don't know yet, I'm going to sit on the fence, that's a decision. You decided against God. You're either for Him or against Him. So, you know, Revelation 20.15 says, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. God actually has a book and He's going to look to see if our names are in His book. You want assurance that your name is in His book. Please don't take a chance with your soul. It's the most valuable thing you have because it's eternal. Because God loves you, He gives you the free will to choose.